We are continuing with our <clears throat> small, short-term, four Sundays in May, focus on friendship. Remember the lead sermon on May 1st was, My Friends, My Future. Last week, we looked at two to the power of one. And today, the sermon is, Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry. Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry. But before we get started today, just let me share with you a story from a, a pastor's conference a few years ago. You know, Nancy and I were blessed earlier this year to go to a pastor's spouse retreat, but this was at a, 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 a conference just for pastors. And in one session, the leader said, okay, well, you as pastors hear people's brokenness and sin and confessions, you know, so much. It's time for us to turn to one another in mutual confession and uplifting of each other. So I'm going to break you up into groups of three pastors each, and you need to tell each other your confessions, your secrets, and lift up each other in the Lord. And so uh, one particular trio of pastors, the first pastor said, all right, I'll lead off. Uh, the truth is, I have a big problem with the government being overreaching and spending way too much money and, you know, basically politicians, you know, putting in place all these programs that are just going to get them votes. And I just think it's ridiculous. So therefore, my secret is, uh, my wife doesn't know this, my family doesn't know this, I cheat on my tax returns every year. And probably if the IRS ever does an audit, I'll go to prison for many years. I mean, I, I really cheated on my tax return. Uh, the second pastor said, okay, well, since we are sharing our deepest, darkest secrets, I have to tell you all this and I need your prayers on this. I've never told anybody this. Um, my wife doesn't know where all the money goes, but the truth is I am addicted to gambling. I have a really bad gambling problem. And late at night after I finish all my work on my Bible studies and counsel other people, I get online and I gamble. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've blown lots of money. I'm, we're almost bankrupt because of this and I need your support. The third pastor said, all right, I guess I have to admit my secret too. My secret is, is I am a horrible gossip and I cannot wait to get out of this meeting and go to my phone to post all this on social media and call all of your friends. John Ortberg tells a story in his book, When the Game is All Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. He tells about a, a man, a middle-aged man who was driving along very methodically, very slowly in a small town, and suddenly behind him was a woman in a big rush in her car. You know, she was in a big rush because she was late to get to one of her children's events, and her other children had this event, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on, and she's just got to get there, and she starts tailgating this guy who is, can you believe it, how outrageous, going like about one mile below the speed limit. I mean, she is really upset. Who is this guy? Don't you know we all drive 50? 20 miles over the speed limit and then wouldn't you know it they come up to an intersection and there's a red light um, and, and, and sure enough the light changes from green to yellow now this gentleman in front of this woman with in the big rush 
apparently didn't know the rule. You know the rule, when the light turns yellow, you're supposed to floor it, right? You're supposed to speed up 20 or 30 miles and make it through very quickly and efficiently the yellow light. Don't we all know that, right? But this guy, would you believe it? He, does, he goes into this cautionary slowdown of his car with the yellow and stops. And she runs right up behind him. You know, she doesn't hit him, but she's right on top of him. And she starts gesticulating and she's all upset how outrageous this guy. And all of a sudden there's a knock on her window and it's a policeman. And he says, ma'am, I'm gonna to need to see your license. I'm gonna to need to see. And he, ta he actually takes her into the police station and they fingerprint her and book her. And then after she's been in jail for you know a while, 30, 45 minutes, she's called out and the police officer says, ma'am, I have to apologize to you, but there's been a, I'm sorry, it's a case of mistaken identity. You see, when I was driving behind you and seeing the way you were acting, but I saw that, that, that bumper sticker on your car that said, what would Jesus do? And, and I saw the, the framing on your license plate that said, um, choose life. And I saw the big Christian emblem on your car. I just naturally assumed you had stolen this vehicle. Um, Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry. That's our sermon for today. And we're gonna be turning to begin with to some passages from the book of James. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 26, chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 2, verse 23. And then for our application points, we're going to be looking at a number of Proverbs primarily. I invite you to hear God's word now from James chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading the New American Standard translation of this particular verse. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless, worthless. And that doesn't mean before God, it's worthless. James chapter four, verse four. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And then to chapter 2, verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grass withers, the flowers fade but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry. Big theme in the Old Testament wisdom literature, particularly in the Proverbs, is that we should be wise people, in addition to obviously acknowledging God and various other things, should seek to be friends of the king. The king is used in general terminology, it's not only in a Hebrew wisdom, but also in ancient Near Eastern wisdom. But the concept, as, as we see it recorded in scripture from a Christian viewpoint, from the big picture viewpoint, points us toward the prophetic vision that ultimately we should be a friend of Jesus, who is the ultimate king, the Messiah. 
Of course, historically, we know this from the Bible and we know this from outside sources of history, most of the kings of Israel and of Judah were unfaithful. So obviously you wouldn't necessarily want to be a friend with all of them, but there are some good kings and the best of the kings are, are, are small foretaste pointing us to the true king, the righteous king, Jesus. That's our ultimate goal, to be friends with Jesus. Parents, you want to give your children an ultimate goal? It's to be friends with Jesus. How should you act at school? You should act like a friend of Jesus. Of course, a, an obedient follower of Jesus, but also a friend of Jesus. And therefore, you make your other friendships and you manage your other friendships according to that. Again, go back and listen to that sermon uh, that we provided to you on May 1st. My friends, my future. In other words, my friends are my future. Not, not only by their fruit will you know them, by their friends you will know them. Um, there is a great appellation that is given in the Old Testament and repeated in the New Testament. We just read it in James chapter 2, verse 23. Abraham is called not only, you know, the father of many nations and uh, various other appellations, but the highest appellation Abraham is given, it's a really notable one in the Old Testament, is Abraham is referred to as the friend of God. I mean, that, that you want to know to whom you should pay attention in the Old Testament, somebody who's called God's friend. And, and you, you know, we read this in several passages in the Old Testament. Ultimately, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, the Lord God himself... You know, in one of the great restoration uh, prophecies that we read in Isaiah, the Lord God himself is talking. He says, but you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. You want to belong to Abraham. <laughs> you really want. In other words, God is saying, even because of centuries of unfaithfulness and generations of unfaithfulness. And by the way, generations of bad kings for you, Israel, you have, you know, you've, you've reaped the consequences of what you what you sowed, right? You've been in exile, but I'm going to restore you and I'm going to uphold my covenant because Abraham is my friend. That's what God just said. You belong to Abraham. He's my friend. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to redeem you somehow. Friends, you know, what, what, what God is saying here is that friends agree together. That's what you can put together from James chapter 2, verse 23. You know, we get, the, the, of course, the reference to the great gospel, you know, little pinnacle in, in the book of Genesis, Genesis 15, 6, when against all odds, you know, he, he's heading towards 100 years old, has no children, and he's like, how is this going to happen? What's going to happen? And, and nevertheless, Genesis 15, verse 6, Abraham believed God and God accounted it, credited it to Abraham as righteousness. So in other words, this is somebody who actually believes God, trusts in God through thick and thin. And what James is telling us is that's the key to understanding how Abraham is really God's friend. He never bails out on trusting in God. So he believed it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called. God's friend. But you see what's being said here is that friends agree together. They stick with each other. But conversely, again, in this series, as we've already seen, we are called to disassociate close friendship with people who lead us in the wrong direction, 
away from friendship with God. In other words, we have to decide, is Jesus our friend or are they our friends? And there's some people we have to make hard decisions about. We can still love them, we can still pray for them, but if we associate with them, we are gonna head in the wrong direction and specifically, pointedly, away from Jesus. If they're not with Jesus, that's a problem for us in close associations. Friends agree together. Big picture, you want to be Jesus's friend. You really want to be Jesus's friend when you leave this life. You really want to be Jesus's friend when you head in, into eternity. And you really want to be Jesus's friend this week at school, at work. Uh, Jesus says in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is at Matthew 5, 22, he says, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Did you hear what Jesus just said? I mean, people who are angry with brothers and sisters, with other Christians, are gonna be liable at the judgment for that. Whoever insults his brother, here's the mouth thing, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now that's not Martin talking, that's Jesus talking. And he's saying people who are angry and blow their mouths off, they're headed toward hell. So obviously we're called to question and to repent of anything we're doing in that direction. And we're definitely called, as we're gonna see, to assess and make hard decisions about our closest friendships and about with whom we associate with. Because Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry. Um, number one, points for today. Number one, application. Do not associate with a gossip. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Do not associate with the gospel. Am I personally overstating this? No, I'm directly quoting you scripture. That's Proverbs 20, the second half of verse 19. You could pull back and say, well, look, I mean, a lot of my friends, unfortunately, are gossips. You know, they're, they're the people I grew up with. And I'm, I got to return to you what I said two weeks ago. You got to make hard decisions there. But you say, well, maybe here's, here's the way I can play this. When they start gossiping, I just don't, you know, chirp in with the gossip, right? Maybe I say, maybe I change the subject and say, hey, the Bulldogs are in bad shape in baseball season this year, right? Or isn't it hot today? Maybe I can just kind of hang out with them and have coffee with them, but try to tone down the gossip, right? That seems like a kind of mild, nice thing to do. No, scripture says. Maybe, uh, maybe if I just don't pour my own gasoline on the fire, it's okay to stay over by the fire. No, the scripture says, you will be burned. Just because you're not throwing more gasoline on the fire, if you're around people who yap and who talk about other people when they're not in the room, the scripture says you are gonna go into the fire with them. Unfriend, the scripture says, my friends, my future, remember? Okay, so Proverbs 20, 19. Again, do not associate with the gossip. Avoid, this is the way the NIV puts it, avoid anyone who talks too much. Do you know anybody who talks too much? Probably not, probably most. I, I will say I run in probably bigger circles than some of y'all do, so I occasionally run into people who talk too much. Maybe none of y'all do. But the scripture commands us not to associate with people who run their mouths. Why? 
Well, let's go through several points. Connect the dots here. Proverbs 20, verse 19, the first part. Uh, by the way, the, the, the word here in the Hebrew, nirgan, it can be translated several ways, and it, you get it in different translations, so you'll hear me talking about different translations. It can be gossip, okay, a gossiper, nirgan, can also be, this is the way the King James refers to it, a tale bearer, a bearer of tales about other people, okay? The ESV translates it as whisperer. In other words, did you hear about what happened with them? Did you hear? I, I hope they can't hear me, but man, you, you gotta know what's going on with them. That's a whisperer, okay? So in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's near God, it's the same word, okay? So um, why? Connect the dots. A tale bearer, this is in the King James, revealeth secrets. In IV, a gossip betrays a confidence. In other words, didn't your mama teach you this, right? If somebody talks about somebody else to you, they're going to be talking about you to other people. Y'all get this, right? So this is the basic level of the instruction of the scripture. A, a tale bearer, a gossip, betrays confidences. Not just other people's, but yours too, okay? Um, therefore, avoid anyone who talks too much. Therefore, uh, the... King James Version puts it this way, meddle not with him that flattereth with the lips, okay? Um, now, here, let's go a little bit deeper. Proverbs 16, verse 28, the second part of this verse. A whisperer, a gossip, separates close friends. Okay, well, this is getting even deeper. In other words, not only will they reveal my secrets, and not only should I be avoiding it because it's a fire, but a, a, a gossip will actually separate friends. In other words, so mistrust in relationships, okay? Divide people. And by the way, when I am officiating a wedding, one of the things I pray most for is that we don't get gossips and big mouths affecting the couple because you can put poison into relationship just by a few choice words here and there and a few in, innuendos. Y'all know this, right? This is serious stuff here. So um, a gossip, a whisperer, separates close friends. Proverbs 17.9 gives us the positive version at the first part of the verse, what we're supposed to be doing. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. In other words, even though I know something bad, I'm not gonna run my mouth about it. I'm going to cover it because I'm seeking love. Do y'all hear that? Okay, Proverbs 17, nine, but then listen to the backside of this verse. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. There it is again. We're getting this repeatedly in the scripture that gossips separate and divide people and woe to the church that has gossips in it and that allows and whose elders allow gossip going on in the church. People talking about people when they're not in the room. This is deadly stuff. Because by the way, remember, who is the ultimate gossip? Satan. What does the serpent do to the woman when the serpent shows up? Does he attack her with a knife? Does he try to bite her? No, he just starts saying like, well, you know the real thing about God, right? I mean, you know, come on, let's go. You can't trust him. It's a gossip. He's a talebearer. That's a, Satan is the, is the father of all gossips and gossip and talebearers. And so therefore the call for us in our own lives, in our families and husbands and wives and leaders, 
I mean, of, of, of the household, you, you need to understand this. And elders of the church, you need to understand this. What does the scripture command us? Where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. So we are called to drive out, not associate with, and definitely not let in the middle of the room the gossip. Okay, let's go to number two. Uh, make no friendships with an angry man. Make no friendships with an angry man. That's, again, that's, I didn't make this up. This is Proverbs 22, verse 24, first part. Make no friendships. But wait a minute, every, everybody's angry nowadays. Yeah, I know, we got a problem with that. We need to repent. Like Christians actually need to be different than the rest of the world. I understand we are living in what the scripture would refer to as a rage-filled, filled, you know, fallen world, right? An angry man stirs up strife. A furious man abounds in sin, abounds in transgression. Proverbs 29, 22. We live in an age of rage, and we have to be honest about this, because of what is going on in the human heart in these, in these days, and because of what is amplified by social media and the way everybody wants to jump on everybody else, and everybody wants to post the latest rage-filled, rage-producing post. And the cable news networks and everybody else makes money off of getting us, keeping us anxious and angry all the time. If you are the latest, oh, you've got to stay tuned because there's another show coming on next that's going to get me even more angry about what's going on. The scripture's saying at a certain point, you got to turn this off. It's an addiction. And money is being made by all the advertisers and all the networks and all the social media influencers and everybody else. This world is selling anger. And of course, ultimately, who sells anger? Satan. That's his game. That's his game. He divides people. He divides the church. He divides the world. And he is a destroyer. He's really mad. Satan is really mad at everybody. And he wants to take everybody else along with him. Let's just be mad at everybody. Is that the model that Jesus gives us? No. Did you hear Jesus cursing at everybody on the cross and being all outraged? No, I didn't see that. Well, what about when he rose again from the dead? Did he come back to like take everybody out, all his enemies? No, I didn't see that. Did he lead a political revolution and kill a lot of people? No, I didn't see that. Because that's not Jesus. That's Satan. Again, Go back to April 3rd sermon. You can read more about this, hear more about this. Remember, victim, avenger, or forgiver. We all have a choice. And remember the scriptures from, for instance, Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let the devil get a foothold on your soul. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Remember this from Ephesians 4. Go back to that sermon, April 3rd. Victim, avenger, or forgiver. Put off your old self. Put all off bitterness and rage and wrath, the scripture says. And we're all called to that in our own repentance. We're called, remember the sermon, right? April 3rd, don't let anger metastasize. We will be in moments angry, but we're supposed to turn it over immediately to the Lord. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Confess and turn. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Let me handle it. It's not your job. Human anger leads to destruction, James says. Human anger is not good. Trust God in his zeal and his vengeance to deal with things. But for us now today, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, make no friendship with an angry man. 
with a furious man, thou shalt not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your own soul. If you go with the angry, you may well be setting a snare for your own eternal soul. Scripture, Proverbs 24, 25. So big picture now today, let's move in this direction. Be a friend of King Jesus. As James says, if anyone thinks he's religious, but he doesn't bridle his tongue and it deceives his heart about where his heart is headed, his religion is worthless. You can sing Kumbaya and I just love Jesus all day long, but if this is who you are in your character and your actions, it has nothing to do with Jesus. Friends agree together, so we want to be friends with God. So number three, the pure of heart and the gracious of speech. These are the king's friends. The pure of heart and the gracious of speech are the king's friends. Uh, the one who loves a pure heart and gracious lips, the king is his friend. Jesus, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's the pure in heart who will see God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with everyone as well as holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Well, we wanna see the Lord because that means salvation and real life, right? We wanna see the Lord, so we need to be pure in heart. Well, what does that mean? I just need to be passive? No. Proverbs 10, 11, and 12, listen to verse 10. Drive out a scoffer and strife will go out. Quarreling and abuse will cease. And then verse 11, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. You may remember in the Old Testament, there's an incredible story about Jonathan being a covenant friend of David and them loving each other with all their hearts and souls. Jonathan, the prince, to whom it would seem like David is the threat, right? Because Jonathan is supposed to succeed his daddy, King Saul. Jonathan loves David. And there's a point at the beginning of chapter 18 of 1 Samuel when Jonathan takes his robe and his armor and even his sword and belt and bow and puts it all on David. In other words, he's saying, everything I have is yours. And if God wants you to have the kingdom, it's yours. I'm your covenant friend. That is prophetic in the way that Jesus, and we see this in the New Testament, this is awesome. If you're friends with Jesus, you know, if you believe in Jesus, guess what? He puts his robe on you. His righteousness covers you. When you pray for the armor of God, you notice it's not the armor of me, right? I need the armor of God and God will give it to me if I'm his friend when I believe in him, right? So in the grace of God, this is incredible. God accounts us as righteous clothed in Christ. You may remember in the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal comes back, even after disowning his dad and everything else, what does the dad say? Take my robe and put it on him and my ring. I mean, the kingdom ring, give it to him. Do you understand the gospel here? There is no friend that even begins to compare with Jesus. Love him. You're gonna to have to make some hard decisions, we all are, about how we manage our associations, 
But in the midst of this, I want us all, and I want myself to know the gospel, that Jesus is such a great friend. As he says, look, you're not worthy of me if you're not willing to give everything else up, including some friendships, by the way. But if you do, I'll give you everything and more. Come with Jesus. Come with Jesus. Lead your children to come with Jesus. Befriend Jesus. He will clothe you and take you home as if you are part of the family because you are by his grace, by the gospel. Believe in him because Jesus' friends unfriend gossips and the angry and know a real conversion in his saving love and a peace that lasts forever. Come home to Jesus, and may you manage, and may we, by the Holy Spirit, manage our relationships and our lives accordingly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.